0: Uh, I'm Ali from Stonehaven. Uh, so good to be with you this morning. Uh, really good to be here. I feel like it's been ages since I've been in Lawrence Kirk, so it's lovely to see you all. And um just as I was praying kind of in the worship time, I felt like God gave me this word, which was, My, you have grown. Um, and that kind of the kind of side of that was just like kind of grown in your depth spiritually and just grown, just grown more in love with Jesus, I feel like. I felt like particularly like Trish and Matt in the kind of worship time, oh my goodness, I haven't seen you like, guys do worship in ages, it was amazing, and just so, just, just can see that love of Jesus pouring out of you, and just also that feeling of like, you're kind of, Lawrence Kirk's been here over two years, feels like you're kind of a toddler now, that you're not having those baby steps anymore, but you're kind of on your own, stepping out, and I love it, so um yeah, just, if that means anything to you, pray into it, um, yeah, but we've got to, go for time. So we're in Ephesians. We're in chapter two, um, start, starting in verse one. It's on page 881 of these uh, lovely house Bibles. And uh, Brenda is, oh, oh, sorry, you were going to get a Bible, weren't you? And now I've got you to work. Sorry, Brenda. Uh, Brenda's going to get the out. So if anyone wants a Bible, um, speak to Brenda. And I just feel that um, we're approaching this of identity. This is the theme through Ephesians identity. I feel that's a really important thing. Um, for many of you will know we had a really exciting moment in our church recently of phase three of spreading life together, strengthening your stakes, of having a lasting legacy in the areas that we're in, uh, in Lawrence Kirk, and the Mearns area, in Stonehaven, and all across our sites. And I felt like the subject of identity is really vital to actually um, kind of have that lasting legacy, have that kind of, um, yeah, just have more emphasis on that and um, if you speak to me for any longer than like five minutes you'll know that I love sport. Um, one sport I've been really into recently quite bizarrely is American football. I don't really understand anything that goes on but it's quite enjoyable. I quite want to go to that game just because apparently you have like a barbecue at nine o'clock in the morning which sounds like a great way to start your day um, but you have one of the kind of key roles in any American football team is the kicker and um after they score a touchdown or if they want to get some points, they bring the kicker out and all he does is he gets the ball, they've got someone that kind of throws it through their legs, someone else that puts it down in a way that the kicker can hold it. As you can see, I'm still picking it up. And he like goes and like smacks it, ideally through the posts. That's what he's got to do. So either he gets a point for an extra point for the touchdown or he gets three points for like a field goal. And um, what's been happening recently is that lots of kickers have been missing um, and they've been because it's American football, they're really cutthroat and they like if you miss like four kicks in a row they just ship you off and they get another kicker. So it's quite cutthroat business. And um, the reason they think the analysts, they think that the reason that they've uh, uh, been missing is because their standing leg hasn't been solid. So they've been going if you know how to kick up football or rugby ball or American football, you plant your leg down and then you swing through and almost this leg doesn't do anything it's just a pendulum and that kind of swing, but you really need this leg to be solid. I felt like God was saying, our identity needs to be this standing leg. The more solid it is, the more stable, the more foundation it is in Christ, then the straighter the kick, the bigger the impact, the wider the angle of that. So I just feel that this is a really, really important thing with all those things of community hubs, all those things of uh, strengthening your stakes. We need to have our identity in Christ sorted. So it's amazing that God is. Chosen that we were going to speak in Ephesians and on that topic. So this um, this letter from Paul, he's writing from prison, and the first chapter is just one amazing, glorious, long sentence about how who God is, what He has done for us, and then throughout this chapter, Paul is just painting that picture. This is who our God is. This is who He is, and he kind of almost keeps ramb- like rambling on like one sentence. And this is what He's done. And this is who He is. And this is what He's done. And then we get to the start of chapter two, and uh, he then starts to share who we are in him. So he goes, this is who God is. And actually through that lens, this is who you are. So we're going to read Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And it will appear on screen. I'll read the whole passage, but I'll only focus on a few bits. But it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order in that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not by works so that no one can boast. Oh, I've gone, but, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And um, as I was preparing this talk, the theme and the kind of theme of my talk is the artist and his masterpiece. Just that feeling, um, maybe kind of a picture in your mind to have is that kind of gallery, the art exhibition of life. And just that kind of God speaking through that, through this uh, passage and through this journey with us. And the three things that struck me that um, in our identity are that we are a product of God's grace. We are his masterpiece. And we are commissioned for good works. So firstly, we're a product of God's grace. Paul is a master craftsman here. He uses the technique of contrast to show the difference between life with Christ and life without Christ. He's showing the depths of where we've been to magnify the glory of of what God has done. So verses 1 to 3, he just shows us what life without Christ is like. It's pretty brutal. He says, verse 1, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions. There's no real coming back from that, is there? Verse 2, you were enslaved. You followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So you followed the culture of the world, but you also followed, you were enslaved by the devil. And you were condemned, it says you were by nature objects of wrath. And the important thing here is that wrath here isn't described as uh, the same as we would expect, kind of human wrath. But um, it's described in one of the commentaries by John Saw as God's personal, righteous, constant hostility to evil, His refusal to compromise, and His resolve to condemn it. It's like the war against evil. That's what God's wrath is like. And we were all dead, enslaved, condemned. And He does this for a couple of reasons: to show that this includes everyone, that we've all fallen short, we've all missed the mark. It says in Romans three, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And also the weight. Of what we've come from the weight of our sin that we were in a desperate situation sometimes we can think I'm okay I'm not that bad but Paul is emphasizing that actually we've all fallen short we've all gone far away from Christ and that is a real weight a real burden Paul shows how far we are from God to emphasize how amazing what God has done for us first four, I absolutely love this verse it completely changes the passage you read those first Three verses, and you feel a bit heavy, don't you? And then Paul says two words that completely change this around. He says, but God. But God. Everyone say, but God. But God. Isn't that amazing? But because of his great love, God. Our identity is only in and through Jesus. We are only here as a product of his grace, of what he has done for us under the cross. And this whole passage, we should look at our identity. We should look at our, but because of his great love, God, and what he has done. We were dead. We were enslaved. We were condemned. But God, he gave us that mercy. He gave us love. He gave us grace. And he gave us kindness. Mercy is for the down and outs. For people that don't have a chance. Only mercy can reach us. And in verse 4, it said, God is rich in mercy. He's abundant in mercy. Verse 4, again, it says, We were deserving of his wrath, but only love can triumph over wrath. It's his great love for us. Verses 5 and verses 8 talk about God's grace. He says again and again, It is by grace you have been saved. By grace, not by works, by grace. In verse 7, he talks about kindness of our kindness to others, living evidence of God's kindness. Through his mercy, his love, and his grace, and his kindness, it says we are made alive with Christ. We're not dead anymore, we're alive. It says we're raised with him, no longer enslaved but raised, and we're seated with him in the heavenly realms, the choice seats. We're no longer condemned, but we're with him in the family, with him with the Father. We are products of his grace, his love and his mercy. We're only here because of him. He is the artist in this scenario, not us. We haven't done a self caricature, uh, done a selfie. He has made us he has done that. It's only through him. And when I don't know if you've ever been to an art exhibit or a gallery opening, bizarrely in my old job, um, I actually was commissioned to do an art exhibit gallery opening because I worked with uh, homeless people in and around Aberdeen and we got some funding to do that kind of thing. Um, So we had all these people who were homeless or on the margins of society and they uh, came and they uh, did their art. They did some CDs, some spoken word. They did some poems. We put them into a CD, into a book. And then when the art exhibit opens, you've got your fancy canopies, don't you? Which you, like, you can't really fill up on a canopy, really, can you? But you, you kind of pass them around, and everyone's got their canopy, and you stand there, and you've got to thank people of everyone who came and say, so thank you for the funders, thank you for the curators of the gallery, thank you for the contributors, for the organisers, people supporting and coming along. I need this long list of thank you's and if we were at the opening of this art exhibition of life the only person that will be thanked would be God wouldn't it the only person that would be happy he is the only one that makes it happen we're all products of his grace and does our life reflect that does our life reflect we're products of his grace or is it sometimes we like to think of ourselves and I do this all the time it's quite a male thing you know I've done hard work. I've determination. I've got to where I am because of this and all I've done. And it's almost like I'm waving a CV at God and saying, "This is what I've done. Look how good I am." But that's not what. It, that's not the truth, is it? I am here only because of God and His grace. And it's like I wave my CV at God, and He picks up, He cheers it up, and He then points me towards the cross. He points me towards Jesus. He says, "You're here." because of Jesus, you're here. And our reaction to that should be like that woman in Luke seven, where she's that woman who's got bad reputation around town. No one invites her to the parties, no one invites her in. She hears where Jesus is. She comes into the uh, to the house of where Jesus is. She breaks that expensive perfume. She cries out and she, with tears in her eyes, she washes Jesus's feet with those expensive, that expensive perfume. And Jesus said, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. I want to remind you today that we have been forgiven so much, more than we can ever imagine. Sometimes we don't think about that. Sometimes we think, oh, okay, actually, I've done, done all right. I was good. I've just got a bit better because of Jesus. No, no, no. We were lost. We were condemned. We were enslaved. But God, but God has forgiven. And we need to live. Like that forgiveness. We need to understand that weight, but we need to live in that fully. That is our story, that we are products of his grace. We're also his masterpiece. I love this whole passage. I could probably do a whole sermon series on this passage, but the, the verse that really stuck out to me was that last verse in verse 10, which said uh, these words, these uh, five words, for we are God's handiwork. I absolutely love that. We are God's handiwork. The word that's used in the original Greek for that can also mean uh, workmanship. It can also mean masterpiece. And also it can mean poem. Well, sorry, it's where we get the word poem from. I dear apologize. Where we get the word poem from. And when Paul was writing that word, that word would have also been used uh, for the king's crown. This um, thing of beauty, thing of uh, majesty, Sculpted and crafted with beautiful jewels and stones. Quality sought after. Paul is saying the same image of that being the king's crown is what he sees for you and I. That when we are in Christ, who we are, we are God's masterpiece. Just think about that for a second. We are God's masterpiece. It's amazing. I didn't even know Joe was going to share that this morning where he said about what is out there. Now, that is not the pinnacle of creation, but actually we are. We are his masterpiece. That is life-changing. You might think that, so that means that you're not a mistake, that you're not an experiment gone wrong, you're not overlooked, you're not an afterthought. You are here because the God of the earth, the God who created that, the God of the galaxies, commissioned, decreed, and designed you. That is why you are here. Not any other reason, because he made you. You are his masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a masterpiece. And now turn to the other neighbor that may feel a bit left out, that you're also a masterpiece too. Yeah. We see this at the start of creation. We see this in the book of Genesis. In one, uh, Genesis 27, God creates the heaven and earth, the sun and the stars. He creates those lovely mountains out there. Or maybe there are more hills than mountains. Um, I don't know. The trees and the seas, the animals and the birds. He says it was very, he said it was good. And then the last thing he creates is he creates mankind. He creates man and women. And he said, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Isn't that amazing that actually God defines himself by us? In terms of himself, uh, we are defined. God, in the image of God, that is who we are. Humans are defined as being in that image. We're connected to God in that way so preciously. We are his workmanship, his poem, his masterpiece. I've been uh, fascinated in the news recently um, by the works of Banksy. Has anyone seen this recently where um, Girl in the Balloon, uh, Girl in the Balloon even, there it is, it's not a very good picture, sorry. What I could find on Google Images. That's bizarrely we have in our flat when we bought our flat they'd um, done like a stencil of girl in the balloon in our kitchen so we've got that in our kitchen, um yeah it's quite nice it's all right isn't it um but that got sold at Sotheby's in uh, London for um, over a million pounds recently, which is mental isn't it? But what was amazing and quite hilarious was that like literally as the hammer went down on that image being sold was that what we didn't know at the time was that there's a shredder in the frame and Girl in the Balloon, I mean, Banksy wanted it to be shredded completely, but only half worked, so it became this new image and it was titled Love is in the Bin, which looks like it quite literally is in the bin. Crazy, isn't it? And I love this, the buyer of the piece, she's decided to keep it, okay? And she said, at first I was shocked, which is a bit of an understatement, isn't it? But I realized I would end up with my own piece of art history. I mean, I think to be fair, I think that's put on a brave face, isn't it? You've just spent a million quid and then it's like a toddler has got a hold of your your piece of art, and then that's what's happened um but apparently, this has only increased its value that people are like, oh my goodness, wanna wanna buy it?" Cra- crazy world we live in, isn't it? a crazy world? But the point is that sometimes when we're in that gallery of life, we can feel like love is in the bin county. We? we can feel like we've been this amazing masterpiece but then the hammer of judgments come down we've been shredded and we feel like we're in the bin but God but God says you are my masterpiece you are my handiwork and almost the image we have here is that love in the bin gets reversed when Jesus comes and instead of us being shredded he puts us back together he takes us out of the bin and he puts us on uh, that canvas in that frame and hangs us up in that gallery and says, you are my masterpiece. Ephesians 2.6, in this passage, it says that God raised us up with Christ, raised us out of the bin and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. But because of God's great love, I am his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. And in this gallery of life, we are are the exhibits on display. It's not something else, not something really arty that we don't understand, something a bit abstract. It's you and I, it's us as living testimonies of, of those of us who know Jesus today, that we're there and we say, this is what God's done in my life. But God, this is why I'm here. We are his masterpiece, that is our identity. So we are products of his grace, we are his masterpiece, and finally we're commissioned to do good works. Again, verse 10. I absolutely love it. We are God's handiwork. And the second part is about what we do next. The first part of that verse is our status and our identity. The second part is what our purpose is for. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's like we've been made in the gallery of life. We're there, but we're actually not meant to stay there. We're not meant to stay in the gallery. We're not meant to be contained, but the same beauty, craftsmanship, artistry that's on display in the gallery should then be evident in our everyday lives. And these works that God has called us to do, we don't do them as some sort of penance um, because like we want to make up, but we do them because there's nothing we can actually do for our salvation, but we want to show Everyone else who God is and the love that he's shown for us. And Paul makes it really clear. It's all about God once again. Verse 5 is his, by grace you've been saved. Verse 8 is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So these works aren't something that we do to earn God's approval. It's an outpouring of his love that we want to show others what he has done in our lives. He makes it clear it's a gift from God. It's his gift to us. I don't know about you, but the best gifts in life, I always find the best gifts in life, are the ones that you use over and over again, aren't they? You know the ones that maybe you get and you sit them on the mantelpiece and you put them on a shelf, things like that. They're okay, they're fine. But the ones that have the most impact are the ones you use again and again. And we are his masterpiece, but we're not confined to the gallery. We're not meant to sit in the shelf. We're meant to be active, living, breathing masterpieces, evidence of God's grace wherever we go. So that if we continue that journey of the gallery, it's like those pieces of art have moved out of the gallery, but they're all stories of what God has done in our lives, but they're not confined to the gallery. They're more. They're in the streets, they're in the classrooms, they're in the pubs, they're in wherever we go. We're in our workplaces, we're in our home environments, we're in our community centers, we're in our car. All of these masterpieces are like moving around there in our city, in our nation, in our areas. That's what we are commissioned to do—to be those everyday masterpieces of art, moving around, being God's hands and feet in these areas. And sometimes in the art world, you get pieces like *Love is in the Bin* that stay in the art gallery, or maybe you've gone to the Louvre and you've uh, wandered at the kind of gaze of the Mona Lisa, or you've seen other things there. And you know, you go and see it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's really cool," and you walk away, and you kind of never see it again. But other times, you have. Uh, pieces of art that are around a city or around an area and they're like commissioned to be in and around an area and um, in Aberdeen actually they've been attempting to do this through the new art festival Um, you may have seen some of these photos I've got a few photos of them there of uh, this kind of street art that's uh, kind of been kind of these buildings where maybe you would never have looked twice before now with this kind of street art on them you kind of see them this one actually the bottom uh, right is right outside uh, the church in Guildfordston Park—it's just there. Um, so you kind of see that kind of eye kind of looking at you when you walk into church sometimes. I don't know. It's interesting, but all these are kind of kind of revitalised these. But um, one of the most amazing examples of these, and a, a pastor called John Tyson has used this, so I can't really claim this as my own uh, work. But he in New York, he talks about uh, the Gates installation, which happened in February uh, two thousand and five, and there were these two artists known as. Uh, Christo and John claude and uh, over these two weeks they installed over seven and a half thousand gates uh, across Central Park in New York. It stretched 23 miles and each of them uh, had this kind of orange bar- banner over them. So that's what one looks like. But what does all of them look like? I couldn't find really any good images of like it all. But like you have these aerial images of just all these orange canvassed banners all across central park all around um kind of just wherever you looked when you were if you went to central park at that point you would never be able to not see one of these gates and the point is that god work for us isn't confined to a gallery that only a select few can see but he's commissioned us to a city-wide a nationwide an area-wide transformation where we are each one of those gates each in our own areas that beacon of hope, that beacon of light, showing people who Jesus is. Imagine these installations across Lawrence Kirk and the Mearns area. Those gates would be you and me showing and doing all what Christ has done in each of us. And you might be sitting here thinking, like, that's great, Ali, but actually I don't know what those good works that you talk about, those good works, I don't know what that looks like for me. I don't know what God has called me to. And... Um, Feeling like what God has called us to can be a really tricky thing sometimes. and can feel like quite disheartening sometimes as well when we don't know what that is. Um, but I just saw a story recently that I was reminded of. And um, it was a guy, he was on Britain's Got Talent. I mean, I don't know if anyone watches Britain's Got Talent now, but five years ago, Britain's Got Talent was all the rage. Uh, and there was this guy called Jamie. Um, and he, uh, I think he worked as a van driver by day. And by night, he sold Domino's pizzas. Or he drove the Domino's pizza delivery van uh, to people around. But he, he had this ambition to sing. and um, But he was absolutely terrified. He was like stage fright, really shy, really nervous, didn't know like what to do. But he built up the courage to go down to the Britain's Got Talent place where they do auditions. Um, and he went and he stood in front of the judges. And he had Simon Cowell, I think he had Piers Morgan, he had Amanda Holden there, and they asked him all these questions. And um, he was really, really shy, really timid. like okay so what are you gonna do today he's like I want to sing a song from Les Mis so like okay go for it so he sings this song I can't remember what the song is terrible research but he sings this song and he absolutely knocks it out of the park like not a dryer in the house everyone's like watching like oh my goodness this guy's amazing and um, all the judges give him all these yeses and they're like Jamie you're awesome so good I'm so glad you came here like that was just the most amazing performance ever and he's like crying because he's like, I've never sung in front of more than 10 people ever. This is just like mental. And he gets off the stage and Aunt and Decker are there. They give him a big hug and they say, Jamie, how do you feel? And he like wipes the tears from his eyes. And then he says these words, which are incredible. He says, I feel complete, complete just for this brief moment. I feel complete and then the v- video ends I don't know I don't know how he did if you got to the live shows if you I don't know but just for that moment Jamie the Domino's delivery driver felt complete but the truth is we aren't complete until we've met Jesus we're not complete until we're doing the works that God has called us to and he has those works for each one of us what are the works that will make us feel complete? What are the works that God has called to us that will glorify Him? And we would love to pray for you if that's something you struggle with. Because it is a big thing. And it's something I've wrestled with. It's something that I know many people wrestle with. And we would love just to stand with you in prayer and say, Lord, what is it that you're calling each one of us to do? As we finish, I want to think about again where we are in that gallery, our gallery of life. Where Is God calling us to be in that gallery? Are we outside? Are we that love is in the bin, outside? Not sure where we are with God, not sure who we know God at all. Are you in the gallery, but feeling like you don't belong? Are you hungry to be that piece of art in the world, displaying the glory of God? God is here today. The artist is here today and he wants you to be the masterpieces he's made you to be, commissioned to do the works that he's set before you. Why don't we stand?